Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 24th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We talk Chiefs today and the latest roster developments with beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. Players like Daniel Sorensen, Nick Kaiser, Taco Charlton, and Mike Remmers are back with the Chiefs, and so is Blake Bell, who was with the Chiefs during their Super Bowl victory season, but spent last year in Dallas. But there's plenty of work remaining in free agency, and we discuss the latest possibilities at positions like left tackle, wide receiver, and edge rusher. So let's get started talking Chiefs with Herbie and Sam. All right, we're in uh, we're in week two of free agency. I think that's right, and it was a you know kind of a fast start for the Chiefs with the signings of uh, of uh, Tooney and Long on the offensive line. Uh, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Let's but let's play some catch up here with uh, Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. What um, uh, what has happened in the last couple of days uh, with with signings, Herbie, and then we'll and then we'll start speculating on what might happen in the next few days, or at least in the next couple of weeks. Hey, you can't beat that, you know. When you use the word speculate, because we are in speculation season. Yep. <laughs> yes, we are. I, it, it was. It's rather slow right now, which is kind of odd for a free agency. Uh, usually, you see a lot of moves, not just with, around the league. But, you know, just from talking to a lot of folks I know around the league, even they're saying it, it does seem kind of slow. Uh, the Chiefs right now are sitting on $21 million in cap space. And typically you're going to need between 5 to $7 million for the draft. So that leaves them with $14 million to spend. Uh, what we do know since last week, you know, reports are starting to filter out there. They were heavily in the Trent Williams sweepstakes, losing out in the last minute. Uh, they were in the sweepstakes for – wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, but they lost out on that. Schuster decided to go back to Pittsburgh. But since we talked from the Tooney signing and the long signing, they did bring back Blake Bell, a tight end, uh, and then they started taking care of their own. They brought back left tackle, or I should say tackle, Mike Remmers. Uh, They brought back safety Daniel Sorensen. And then then they also took care of a lot of the restricted free agents slash rights free agents. But other than that, it, it's been pretty slow, and it's kind of odd when you think about it. Think of all their free agent players they have right now. None of them have signed with another team. The only one who looks like he could be on track to be the first Chiefs unrestricted free agent to sign elsewhere is Sammy Watkins, who's on a, on a free agent tour right now. He visited the Baltimore Ravens. He's in Indianapolis today. Uh, so someone might make him an offer, but as of right now, it's kind of slow on the Western front. Okay, well, let's let's take a look at some of the those um, who have you know who have signed up uh, who, back with the Chiefs. I, I was struck by Dan, first of all with Dan Sorensen, uh, th- thirty-one. He's had a you know he's had a nice career in Kansas City. To be honest with you, I I didn't know who else might be interested in Dan Sorensen. I th- I just think the Chiefs. That's the best place for him to be. And look, he's gotten a lot. He's been a productive player in Kansas City. I'm not sure how productive he would be elsewhere. He was second on the team in defensive snaps last season, next to Tyron Matthew. Sam, was it uh, was that a good move to bring back Daniel Sorensen? Yeah, I mean, going to the off season, I, I thought that that was one of the moves this team had to make. That was a guy they had to have back. Um, 
you know, is he's a guy that he plays a position that I think allows the rest of their secondary and linebackers to fall into their most natural place. Um, so that's why I, I think he does more than probably a lot of people realize. I, I think more than even, you know, I love pro football focus. I think he does probably more than what he gets graded for there um, because he, he plays a sort of a, a rover position between the linebackers and safeties that um, can be difficult to assess his assignment and therefore I think difficult to grade his play. Um, but he's a valuable guy and he comes up with big plays. It seems like at the absolute biggest moments of the game, I mean, we could sit here and list interceptions he's had in the game. We know the play he had against Cleveland and regardless of whether or not it was helmet to helmet contact. And it was, um, I, I do feel like that place is sort of indicative of Dan Sorensen not giving up on a play. Um, so I just, I, I just think he, he's, he's an attitude trendsetter for that defense and, like you said, Blair, I mean, he's probably a guy that fits here better than he does anywhere else, which explains why he signed for a little bit of a discount. You know, one year, two and a half million, like you mentioned, 31 years old is probably the last chance he's going to have to to get a multi-year deal if he wanted one. So um, I, I think the Chiefs got a good deal with only getting him for one year here. Yeah, and that one-year contract is fully guaranteed, whereas you see some some contracts being signed, $2 million, uh X amount guaranteed. That that two point four six million dollar contract is fully guaranteed. And to Sam's point, he's absolutely correct. I don't think he gets a lot of credit and a lot a lot of love from Chiefs fans because all they remember is him being on the wrong end of a big play. But he's clutch. You could make an argument the Chiefs do not go to the Super Bowl in the past two seasons if not for his play uh, in the postseason. Don't forget Houston. His his play when he sniffed out that fake punt. That that actually. Uh, propel the Chiefs towards their comeback. And then Sam brings up the, the play at the end zone for the touchback. You know, the Browns were going in for a score there and all the momentum on their side. And Sorensen comes up with the momentum, the momentum change. I remember the interception he had in Mexico City off of Phil Rivers, right, to end that game against the Chargers a couple of years ago. So, no, no, I'm, I'm – I'm, I, th- I think it's a good signing, and again, I he, I think he he just brings more value to the Chiefs than he would starting you know a, a new in another uh, in, in another franchise. So I wish we had Vahe on to explain how him and I were watching that play in Mexico City because that was where <laughs> we were trying to get down to the press box or the uh, the press conferences, Blair, and we were so confused about the system afterwards that Vahe was literally carrying his computer and typing with one hand, carrying it with the other, trying to file a story. And we couldn't even find a TV to watch the last four minutes of the game until like that play was the very first one we saw. We hear the crowd going nuts so often that we're like, what's going on? Are the Chargers coming back? Did we just miss the most important part of the game? We get to a TV and finally see that play. We're like, oh, okay, we got it. Hey, let's talk about tight end. Uh, you know, going into the offseason, I wasn't sure what the Chiefs were looking to do there, but they have they really have shuffled the deck, haven't they? At, at tight end after Travis Kelsey uh, losing uh, Deion Yelder and Ricky Seals Jones and uh, signing uh, Nick Kaiser and then bringing back Blake Bell. So are the Chiefs set there, Herbie, at, at tight end, or are they, they still shopping uh, for, for that position? Personally, I think they might be set. And here's the reason why. When Blake Bell was with the Chiefs in 2019, they were among the league leaders in 12 personnel packages, i.e. the the two tight end set. 
you don't necessarily need, in, in Reed's scheme of the way he deploys his tight ends, you don't necessarily need another high-profile receiving type tight end. You need the guy who can be an inline blocker, which is Bell's strength. Uh, you go, Sam mentions uh, PFF, and if I'm not mistaken, they had Blake Bell in his lone year with the Cowboys last year as one of the top blocking tight ends, and that's the piece that was missing last year. Nick Kaiser filled that role. Uh, but I don't think they were 100% comfortable enough with him in that role last year, clearly by bringing back Blake Bell, because that's the role that he thrives in, that complementary tight end as the blocker to Kelsey's receiving skills. Yeah, I think, Blair, that they, you know, that they wanted to improve in that position in the offseason. I think they feel like Blake Bell does that. You know, it probably bumps Nick Kaiser down to the tight end three. And Blake Bell's going to play more of those snaps. And, you know, they feel like Kaiser's better than, than Yelder. So he, they're tight end two and they're tight end three are now better than what they were in 2020. Bell caught a touchdown pass against uh, the Texans, I think, in the playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah. The only one of his career. You know, he's happy. The Wichita native is happy to be back in the Midwest. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to something Sam said, and I, I, I agree with this, that, you know, Pro football focus when when they uh, when they hand out their grades, uh, I, I you know I, I saw what they kind of what they assigned to Dan Sorensen and basically made him a below average safety. Uh, I, I disagree with that, and I think that just shows a sort of a lack of understanding of what he means to the Chiefs. But I, I, I suppose I'm taking this moment to praise Pro Football Focus because I think they do a heck of a job and. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they do the work that nobody else does and you, you just can't expect them to understand every little nuance for every player on, on every team. I kind of feel like it's the way I do. I feel about pro football focus, the way I do about recruiting rankings. You know, the, you know, sometimes you only talk about them when they, when they, you know, assign one star to somebody who, who ends up being a, a college standout or something. Yeah. But they're the ones that do all the dirty work and and do all put all the time and effort in. So we often refer to, the reason we re, we refer often to Pro Football Focus. I think is bottom line is we we respect the work that they do. Yeah, we all use them. Um, yep. and their stack keeping is incredible as well. It's not just the grades. I mean, they they do so much in depth stack keeping that we we all use them. Absolutely, it might be the anomaly because I don't use them that much. <laughs> and it goes back to your one point you just made there, Blair. Uh, I think Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer made the best point when, when he said, when you look at these grades, you have to understand what a player's assignment is. If you don't know what a guard is doing when he's pulling, you can't say he missed a block. If the linebacker uh, is chasing the player down the field, you can't say he missed the tackle if that guy wasn't his primary responsibility. PFF does a phenomenal job, like you said, of watching every play. But if I don't under, if I'm watching every play and I don't understand what the play call was, I cannot realistically assign a grade. And that's the biggest knock on them. When you talk to players around the league and you hear head coaches talk about them, that's where you run into the issue. I don't get so much into the grading scale, but I will go into their stats. Well, one player over the years who's, I think esteem rose because of pro football focus scouting was Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, he was noted for just never missing a snap in Cleveland in his first few years in Kansas city, but it, it's always difficult to grade for, for the, you know, for us to know what's going on in the offensive line without the, 
the intense film study, but he annually was graded among the higher, you know, tackle right tackles in the game. And I, I think his, you know, maybe his stature rose because of analytics like pro football focus. Uh, and I'm sure there are several other players like that. So um, just wanted to put that out there. Let's um, let, let's uh, switch to needs here and what's, what's left for the chiefs in terms of needs. Let's start, but let's start with this um, uh, visiting who, who is coming in, who do we know is coming into Kansas city this week and who, who has been in Kansas city, Herbie? Um, it, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. So by the time it gets posted, there could be more, you know, uh, we could find out more about you know, visits and who, who might be planning a visit, but who, who has been to Kansas city this week or who do we know is planning to come to Kansas city? Elvin Ingram. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah. It's a big one. It, he's a big one. Yeah. Former defensive end from the chargers. When he's healthy, he's a game changer. Unfortunately, he's been hurt uh, over the past two seasons, but if, if they're looking to use him as in a rotational role with Taco Charlton opposite of, uh, Frank Clark, I think it would be a phenomenal signing to get Melvin Ingram in here because as of right now, the Chiefs have two defensive ends slash pass rushers who are currently unrestricted free agents and Alex Okafor and Tano Passanio. And when you look at Ingram's body of work, he's an upgrade. So I think if, if you're looking for that rotational player along with Taco Charlton opposite of Clark, this, this signing, if it would happen, makes total sense. Pro Bowler in 17, 18, and 19, but only played seven games last year because of injury with no sacks. He's 31 years old. I, but I do, like you, Herbie, I remember him as being a dominant pass rushing force. I'm wondering if he is still that and um, is, is, is it rolling the dice to bring in someone like Melvin Ingram, Sam? I mean, if that's, you know, that's a position that I, I think they really need to address. And I, I think Melvin Ingram would be a great addition uh, as long as they still address that position. Maybe it allows them to, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that likes to draft best player available. And therefore they, they try and check all their boxes, you know, in March and uh, free agency um, to allow them to draft, draft best player available. But if they, just go into the season or just go into the draft, let's say with Melvin Ingram and the guys they have now, Herbie mentioned Taco Charlton's coming back. Um, let's say they let Alex Okafor and Tano Passanio walk. I still think they have to address that position on the draft. And that would be a good way to do it. You know, you'd have Frank Clark, um, a veteran guy, you'd have Melvin Ingram, a veteran guy. I think he's going to be 32, right? But yeah, the season starts. Um, so that would be, a, a, those would be two really good guys for a, a draft pick to learn from. Um, but I'd like to see them get some speed uh, on the edge because Frank Clark is not a guy that is, is you know, going to come just dart around the edge and sack the quarterback. Melvin Ingram is 32 years old. Um, so I, I'd like to see them get some speed at that position. And maybe this move would allow them to sort of kick the can down the road to the draft to, to address that. Okay, and um, how about um, uh, let's stay on the defensive side and, and just break down um, uh, linebacker and then uh, and then the secondary cornerback. Um, what what um, is Damian Wilson going to be back with the Chiefs? Do we think they bring Damian Wilson back? Just how free agency is shaping out out there? It's, it, you can't expect more than a, a two year deal. You could 
if you need him in the pinch, you bring him back on a one-year deal. Uh, but here we are a week in the free agency, and then you know, I go back to my earlier point. I, I can't think of any Chiefs unrestricted free agent right now who's on the verge of signing elsewhere. If you yeah. want Damian Wilson back, you can get him back on a one-year deal. But yeah, I guess the question is, I mean, do they want him back? Is that does he uh, is he a difference maker? I mean, he had the he had the best play in the of the Super Bowl for the Chiefs with the um, you know the goal line stand tackle, but otherwise I, I don't know. I I, I want I, I think the Chiefs need to get better at that position. Yeah, I think the Chiefs think they need to get better at that position. You know, that was one of the spots that Brett Veach mentioned ahead of free agency. What was that, Herbie? Probably the, the first couple of days of March when we chatted with him. March the first. Yep, March the first. And they, now, that, now, the linebacker market has been about the slowest to develop of any position. There's still some guys out there. Um, but I, I think the only way Damian Wilson's back is if, if – if, you know, the Chiefs don't get what they want. Damian Wilson doesn't get what he wants. And suddenly that marriage becomes a, a lot more sensible. But that, that's a spot they need to get better. Yeah, there's Missouri linebacker Nick Bolton. If you want to take a flyer on him, I don't think first-round pick, but maybe in the second if, if you want him. And you got to talk to him earlier this week, didn't you, Herbie? Um, what, were, uh, what were the impressions of Nick Bolton from his pro day at Mizzou? Well, we know he's highly coveted. Uh, he, he revealed during his – post-workout Zoom call that he talked to three-fourths of the league. Uh, the, the team that really seemed to pay the most attention to him is, are the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if any team loves linebackers, you, you think of the Chicago Bears, you think of the Steelers, you know. And he had a 40-minute Zoom call with uh, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, head coach and their general manager there. So there's clearly some interest from the Steelers there. But he did mention that he has talked to the Chiefs during this pre-draft process. And Herbie, you're such a veteran of going to the combine. And of course, there is no combine. There was no combine this year. These pro days are, are pretty important for players like, well, for every prospect, for, but especially for players like Nick Bolton, right? Yeah, they got to stand out. And that's the key thing. They don't, they're not having the opportunity to showcase their skills you know, in front of the national audience the way the combine is these days, televised workouts at night, right? How loud people... People actually tune in to watch 40-yard dashes, but that's what they're missing there. And, you know, the, the opportunity to see how he, how a player would measure up against others, you know, the, some of these highly graded players, because 300-plus college prospects get invited annually to the combine. And, and Bolton even mentioned that, you know, he was the only linebacker who worked out at his pro day, so he missed the opportunity to go through drills with people of his own position groups. So that's, that's one of the things they miss. I will say, though, the, the, the Chiefs are a tape-driven team. Um, so their scouting comes from the game film. And I, I think they use the combine, of, of course, for the medicals. They'll miss out on that. Um, but also just to confirm what they feel like they've seen on tape. And if something from the pro day pops as um, so dissimilar from what they've seen on tape, they go back and watch the tape and see what did we miss about this guy initially. But um, I, of course, you're going to miss out on some of the lower level kids. Of course, we still saw the Chiefs last year get a guy like Turk Wharton, despite there not being the, those pro days last year. But the, the Chiefs are still doing most of their scouting work based on the based on the game film. Yeah, that's a fantastic point because I specifically asked Brett Feach that question on March the first. What are you missing in this pre-draft process that you didn't have last year? And he and he said that. You know, it's like what they try to do is. The, the, you got the game tape. You know how fast the guy is, and if he's running 
all of a sudden he's running extremely fast and he didn't want to mention, he didn't want to call out any schools, but he said, you know, some of these tracks are a lot faster than what you would get at the combine. It was kind of funny the way he said that. I'm not going to mention any schools, but. <laughs> I got to tell you, Turk Wharton was a, that's a heck of a find. Uh, it, it's not just that he played division two. He didn't play division two at Northwest Missouri state or, or Pitt state or one of the you know programs that, we're all familiar with that have sent players to the NFL. He was at Missouri Rolla. So um, to, to find him and, and then to identify him as the player that he became as a rookie, that's, that really is a testament to the, to the chief scouting. Yeah. I mean, not even a guy that had a great senior year, to be honest. With right. Her. Right. He was injured a lot of his senior year, but tried to play through it because he thought, you know, he's got to have some game film, but then the game film isn't as good as, as what he wanted it to be because he was injured. So you're, you're right. I mean, that, that's one the chiefs deserve a lot of credit for. The final thought on Nick Bolton, um, you know, the, you know, his, one of his best games this past season was a game in which the, the, the Missouri won. I think the final score was something like 50 to 47. Uh, it was that LSU game with uh, Missouri winning the game on a goal line stand. He made two huge plays down on the goal line to end that game for Missouri. So, you know, here's hoping for, um, you know, good news for, for Nick Bolton as, uh, as he pursues his NFL career. Okay, guys, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, there's just a couple of positions on the offense we need to talk about. Okay, we're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. They cover the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. And, guys, we can't not let a, uh, an opportunity pass without talking about the offensive line. And the Chiefs certainly did address the, the line with the, with the signing of, of Joe Tooney and, and Kyle Long. But there just seems to be a, a big hole out there, and that's at left tackle. They haven't filled that need. I, you know, there there are players on this roster that could step in and, and play in a pinch, but that's the the long the the the, uh, the solution isn't on the roster right now. So, what's Sam? Where are the Chiefs going to go with left tackle? Is this something that um, that you think we'll see resolved in uh, in free agency, or are we going to wait for the draft, or will there be a trade? What's what do you, what's your best guess on what's going to happen at that position? Yeah, well, I know it's a spot they're still looking for a veteran guy. I mean, they, they would prefer not to go into the draft not knowing who their left tackle is going to be in 2021. So it, it, it's definitely a spot that they're still searching. Um, but you look at a lot of the, uh, the tackle ratings, and it's funny. I mean, I, I've seen one list of the guys out there still. And, of course, you've got Villanueva out there for Pittsburgh as the top guy still, still remaining. But – I saw one list with Eric Fisher as the number two left tackle. <laughs> he's out there. <laughs> yeah. So he's, I don't know. He's available. Know, I don't know if they know much about that guy, but perhaps they could bring him <laughs> for a visit. Um, I, I do, I do still wonder about Eric Fisher and both Mitchell Schwartz that if they show some sort of um, progress and rehab and um, in their recovery, if, you know, something down the line might make sense around training camp, but I still think that this team wants to get left left tackle solved before the draft. Alejandro Villanueva for the Steelers. I I, I do like him. I, I like his durability. He hasn't missed a start in five years. Hasn't missed a snap in three years. Um, I know he's thirty two, but. I don't. I just. I really like him as a you know as a as a possibility more so than Russell Okun, um, who you know played in he's only played in thirteen games each of the last two years. Played with the Panthers this past year. I think it was only six or seven games with Carolina. 
he's the other one that you, you see whose name pops up, uh, you know, best available. Both Villanueva and Okun are, are 32 years old, but Villanueva just has the, you know, has the ability to stay on the field. And that's, you know, what's the, the, the best abilities availability um, line that, that absolutely applies to Alejandro Villanueva. So he's got the mental makeup too. You know, we're talking about a former U.S. Army Ranger. We're talking about a viable combat veteran who, who served a couple of tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. And you want a guy with high character? Everybody loved him in Pittsburgh. And that's why to me, it's, it's kind of mind boggling that I'm not hearing anything that, you know, Villanueva's name is somehow linked to the Chiefs. But I think, you know, for a team that loves guys with high character, Villanueva to me just makes perfect sense. Not just the Chiefs. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. But I'm, I'm more. I, it surprises me that Pittsburgh is letting him walk. Appears to be letting him walk because he's a key guy for what they want. We just we haven't heard a lot of interest across the league. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's puzzling to me. It's almost like what, what are we missing there? Crazy. I, mean, I think a lot of that has to probably do with money. I mean, look at what Trent Williams commanded. You're talking about a guy who. You mentioned all the his durability. He's a guy that's going to be on the field. I'm, I'm curious to know what he's asking for. That might be they also holding him up, signing somewhere. Okay. And uh, earlier we mentioned uh, we mentioned Sammy Watkins on his visitation tour this week to uh, to Baltimore, then Indianapolis. Um, wide receiver is an interesting position for the Chiefs. They get so much production from from Tyree Kill, from tight end slash wide receiver Travis Kelsey, uh, McCole Hardman. I, they're not giving up on McCole Hardman, even though I don't think he, you know he'd made the progress from year one to year two that you might expect. They certainly have identified Byron Pringle as somebody they think will move up in the on the depth charts. I don't know what's going to happen with Demarcus Robinson. I think that's a little bit of a mystery right now, is where he fits in the grand scheme of things. But uh, the the, the 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 thinking is they they're they're in the market for a wide receiver who is out there uh, available at at that position, Sam. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys left. That was that was a, a market that took a couple days to develop, but then once it did, a lot of guys it was bang 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 bang. Um, you know, they, they were never going to be in the market for like a, a Kenny Galladay type contract and pay somebody eighteen million dollars a year. Um, but there were a, a couple of the, the, the smaller one-year deals that I thought might make sense for them. You know, I even like the Kendrick Bourne deal that the Patriots got, you know, $5 million a year. I thought that could have been a good fit. Um, we know Juju Smith-Schuster specifically said the Chiefs offered him a deal um, that was probably richer than the one he accepted from Pittsburgh, that, but he, he liked his situation and Pittsburgh wanted to stay there all along. Um, the, but the, the list is, you know, I mean, I talked about seeing Eric Fisher on the list. You know, I've seen Sammy Watkins on, at the top of available lists now with free and free agent wide receivers. And part of that is because of Sammy Watkins age. Um, but now I, I think that the Chiefs should be in the market of, of hunting one of these one or two year deals max uh, for a wide receiver to solve that position. I do think it's something they need to address. You know, I mean, going in with Byron Pringle, McCall Hardman is the only two guys right now behind Tyree Kill. You know, I don't know what the interest is going to be in Demarcus Robinson. I think that's a guy they'd like to move on from, but maybe the market comes back and, and there's not much interest in him. Even so, I still think that'd be a position they had to address in some fashion. That was the case last year with Demarcus Robinson. Remember, um, brought brought him back. So, 
when I think of what the, what the Chiefs need at that position is, I, I don't think about a specific player as much as I do a body type. I think they want a little bit of size at that at this particular wide receiver position, you know, something that, um, you know, with Tyree kill and McCole Hardman, you've got similar size guys on, you know, smallish. I think you'd like to have, um, you know, a guy that can go up and get a, you know, get a ball. That that's something when you think about it, that in, in Mahomes three years as a starter, they haven't had, you know, they just haven't had that guy that can go up and get a ball. Yeah. I mean, especially when you think about the Super Bowl, Blair, I mean, um, there would have been some right. times that probably would have been nice that he just had somebody he could throw a jump ball to. And even Travis Kelsey with his size is not that type of tight end. I mean, he, he's a guy who's extremely elusive, who gets open. Um, and, usually, but, and usually good hands. I mean, but, yeah, but not yeah. – he, not he, he doesn't – Not a jump ball type. And really, Andy Reid in his, in his career, I mean, when you, tr- when you go back to, you know, pre-Patrick Mahomes, they haven't had – they tried that with Kelvin Benjamin. They, they tried a stint with him. Oh, that. gosh, yeah, that's right. But other than that, I can't think of uh, one of those jump ball type receivers that Andy Reid's tried to bring in here. Jody Fortune, baby. This could be the year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's a good one to end it on, Herbie. The uh, the Jody Fortson watch has started. Um, um, okay, guys. Uh, I, I would I would ask you, typically I would ask you what to look out for, but there really isn't, you know, all you, all you can do is be vigilant, right? And uh um, and, and, and no, nose to the grindstone sort of approach to all of this. Um, Herbie, I did, I, I did want to bring up uh, the mock drafts are on the horizon. When is the first one going to drop? Speculation season, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start rolling them out the first Friday of April, and it'll be every Friday leading to the draft. Very good. What's, so, what's your? Do you have an early lean on number thirty-one? Uh, yeah, where the, where the Chiefs yeah, are going? I'm, I'm, I'm waffling back and forth. You know, it's, 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 it's here's the thing about mock drafts. There's no exact science to it, as we all know. Uh, so what I tend to do with my mock drafts is what position makes sense and why it would make sense. So it, it, it's really going to depend on, on where I lean. Usually, I make up my mind a couple of days before I start writing it, but it's probably going to be a tackle. It has to be a tackle because if they don't find someone between now and Friday, it's got to be a tackle. Yeah, and listen, I don't want this no exact science thing. I want accuracy. So you better give me some. <laughs> if you were to pull every mock draft <laughs> and find out who, like, and I'm using air quotes, the experts, if you pulled them, it's like I think their, their hit rate is less than 5%. So. Hey, yeah. we use mock drafts as an educational process to get to know the players. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Okay, guys, great chat. And uh, I'm guessing we will do it again next week because it's that type of uh, uh, information that people want to hear and love hearing it from you guys, Herbie T.O.P. and Sam McDowell. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. The tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. 
After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And, of course, Sports Pass is the Kansas City Star's online sports section, which includes all the stories that appear in print and much, much more. What a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training with opening day right around the corner. March Madness is here, and even though Kansas and Missouri are no longer in it, there's still a couple of weeks of great NCAA tournament play to watch and to cover. And of course, as we find out today and every week, it's never not chief season. So how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.